Hey guys, hope we get to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's going to podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow. We try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Uh, again, you can find the podcast on YouTube. You can also find the podcast anywhere that you can get your podcast. And we're thankful that you guys have found us today. All right, so uh, today's topic is entitled, Have the Patience to be Great. Have the Patience to be Great. And before we move on, this is kind of a re-recording of the same podcast um there were some audio issues and video issues so hopefully uh this version will be uh better than the one that was uploaded so i just deleted those other ones so hopefully this one will uh, be a better audio and video version all right so have the patience to be great i was watching a few podcasts the last couple weeks and both brought up the the process of of being patient and one podcast was talking about sports and the other podcast was talking about like business, stocks, uh, you know, growing your money, all that other stuff. But both of them brought up the same the same concept. And that concept was this. Everybody wants to be great, but no one is no one has the patience to be great anymore. So basically they mentioned that nobody loves the process. Everybody loves the result. Right? Nobody loves the process anymore. Everybody just loves the result. So as we think about that, just think about it for a second. That's that's really true. You know, you got a kid that wants to go to the NBA. Forget going to college. Forget doing all this. Just go straight to the league at a high school. You know, you want to make money real quick? Just get a real quick uh, real quick money scheme and, and you'll just get all the money in the world. It's going to be great. We don't have patience anymore. And so I heard a quote that said, the bigger the ambition, the more patience that you're going to have to deploy, which is such a true statement, 100% true. And so what we want to talk about today is obviously have the patience to be great, but we really want to dive in, talk about why is it so hard, though? Like, again, we're going to mention this, but why is it so hard to have the patience to be great? And maybe you struggle with this. And I think this is something that all of us struggle with. And I think this is something that can help all of us to get better. And so as we talk about this, let's let's open up our Bibles together and let's get ready to go. So have the patience to be great. So number one. Here's here's one reason of why it's so hard. It's hard because of the weight of the weight. The W-E-I-G-H-T, the weight of the W-A-I-T, of the weight. So here's the thing about it. Waiting for people is not really the issue, in my opinion. In my opinion, I think everybody really has the ability to wait, in my opinion. But I also believe that waiting becomes hard because it's the fear of waiting for something and what happens if you deploy all that waiting and still nothing happens so now you start to question why did i wait so long then waiting seems pointless then it feels like you know i could have been making moves all this time i could have been doing this all this time i could have been doing that all this time and so what tends to happen is we don't want to feel like we don't want to feel like we're wasting time. And, and many times what happens is waiting for all of us. Sometimes it feels like we're wasting time and it feels like we're going to continue to wait forever. But as we look at this, I want to look at an example of Job. And let's look at Job chapter 14. Job 14. Again, if you're new to the podcast, open up your Bibles with us so we can we can look at this together. Job 14. And let's notice uh, verse number seven. So again, we're talking about 
why is it so hard to have the patience to be great? Well, because waiting sometimes becomes a wait. Like it's hard. It's hard to wait for something, especially when you feel like it's, it's not going to show up anyway. Nothing's going to happen anyway. So so why wait? So look at Job. And here's here's one thing I want to mention before we move on. Job, a great man. All these other people that we're going to mention are great men. But sometimes what we can do sometimes is we can make these um, these accounts in Scripture, we can make them almost superhuman. Like they, they didn't make mistakes. Like they didn't, you know, like they didn't feel, you know, uh, you know, have unknown feelings and things like that. We got to you got to make sure that we can we can still put them on this example of greatness, but still see them as human, too. And so Job is going to prove this. So remember, Job chapter one, great man in the east, uh, had sons and daughters, all these things. He was a great man, but he lost everything just like that. Right. So now let's look at what Job's state is now. So now his health is gone. Uh, his family's gone. The initial support of his wife is gone. Then his three quote unquote friends, they come up to him and they give him reasons of why it's his fault. So now think about this. He has no hope, no hope. Job here throughout the chapters, if you read the book of Job, the crazy thing is Job was literally preparing for death. So now let's look at this <clears throat> beginning in verse seven. For there is hope of a tree. If it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and the tender branch will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stock die in the ground, yet through the scent of water it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. So now look at his example. Job is saying, I'm cut off. Job is saying, everything that I had is cut off. Then he's mentioning this. So now I have no hope. But he looks at a tree. And he says, so if this tree gets cut down, the tree will sprout again. It has hope. It knows that. It understands if it gets cut down, it's going to have hope. And then on top of that, if it even smells a scent of water, that tree is going to bud. But then notice verse 10. But when a man dies and when he wastes away, yea, when a man gives up the ghost, where is he? So now look at Job was struggling with waiting on the Lord. And he was at a, at a portion in his life where the weight of his pain and agony and the weight of waiting on the Lord to do something, it, it became too much. Now, here's why this is so important. Think about what Job had. Job had communion with God. He was able to talk with him. Remember, this is the patriarchal age. And so remember, even if you read through the book of Job, Job said, you used to commune with me in my tent. They had a relationship, but God's not talking anymore. And so think about the, the pain that that would have caused Job. Now, for us, isn't the same thing true sometimes? You know, sometimes we feel like, you know, maybe you've been waiting for something for so long, for so long, and it feels like the weight of that weight is killing you. And then you look around, and Job had gotten so desperate. They said, man, even if this tree gets cut down, I understand that this tree will actually going to grow stronger when it gets cut down. But where's my hope at? So here's here's the thing about it. Sometimes when we talk about the weight of the weight, this is why it gets so hard to wait. We get in this space where 
because we've been waiting for so long for certain things, we get to a point where that weight gets so heavy that we would rather make a move and do something and do anything rather than just waiting. So the the point of it is sometimes we'd rather make a move than do nothing. So now we, we kind of put ourselves in this fork in the road. And so Job had to wait here too. But sometimes we feel like we feel like Job when he had no hope. That's the point sometimes that causes us to make bad choices. So remember, even even back in Genesis 12 and Genesis 16 with Abram and Sarai, remember with those two, remember Sarai, they waited for years, a a good amount of time. They waited for years for Isaac. And as they did this and as they waited and waited and waited and waited and waited, the wait became too much. So then chapter 16 comes and now Sarai says, well, it might be that this child might come through somebody else. I would, sometimes that's what we get into our lives. I would rather make a move and make something happen than keep waiting and nothing happening. I would rather make a move and make something happen myself than keep waiting and nothing happening. So that can destroy us in a lot of things. So this is why it's, it's dangerous. And this is why it's so hard to have the patience to be great. Because as you're waiting, the weight of it gets hard. And so it hit Job here in Job chapter 14. It hit Abram and Sarai in Genesis 16. So if that is us, if that is you today, what are we supposed to do? What what are we supposed to do? You see, we tend to try to rush the process. And sometimes we get so desperate that we would rather just do something or have something, or take something, then wait and do nothing. So what do we do? Look at Psalm chapter 37, guys. Psalm 37, um, let's see, there's a lot we can go to here, actually. Uh, let's actually look at verse 34. The text says, wait on the Lord. So again, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're, we're going through this process of having the patience to be great. So we understand it's hard because the weight of waiting is hard. But now look at what he says. Wait on the Lord. But what do I do as I'm waiting? What do we do as we're waiting? Wait on the Lord. And the text says, and keep his way. So what did Abram and Sarai not do? Sarai and Abram made their own way. See, here's here's what we can do. And here's here's a I don't want to call it a harsh reality. I think that's the wrong word. Here's a here's a reality of waiting on the Lord and waiting in general. Waiting will never be easy for anything. So waiting never gets easy. So I think the earlier and the better we can understand that, the the faster we can mature and grow. So waiting is never going to be easy. But as we're waiting, what are we supposed to do while it's hard? The text says, keep his way. So the question becomes, as Christian as Christian people, how do we keep his way? You know, this is why the Lord said this. Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom 
and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So in seeking first the kingdom, that's what's going to keep you busy during the wait. But a lot of times we get away from his way and start making our own way while we're waiting. And that's where we get in trouble. So again, as we're, as we're waiting for certain things, we can't rush the process. We have to keep his way. So how do we do that? How do we keep the Lord's way? We have to keep doing what he says and we got to stay busy. We got to stay busy. And, and as we talk about this a little bit more, this is something we got to understand too, guys. When we talk about keeping his way, sometimes what we can do, we can almost kind of make excuses that there's not enough in the church to do. Like if you're not a preacher, if you're not a leader, if you're not like, you don't know your, your place, there's, there's not enough to do. And that's a dangerous mindset to be into. So if you are in high school, if you're in college, if you're newly married, if you're, uh, you know, a, a, a widow or a widower with kids or you're a single mother with kids, what, do you, what is my role? What am I supposed to do? Because the waiting for all of us, no matter what state we're in, the waiting for all of us is hard. So as we're waiting, how can all of us in different stages in life, what is my role in the church? What am I supposed to do? The more and more that you look for stuff in the church, the busier you're going to become. And what do I talk about? What do I mean by that? How do I keep his way? You know, there's there's probably so much going on around you at your local congregation. But because you're not looking for it, you can't see it. There's so much going on at your local congregation. Because you're not looking for it, you can't see it. So if there's extra classes, you know it's there, but are you going? There's there's things to help with grocery giveaway. You know it's there, but are you going? Well, there's lectureships. There's area-wide singings. There's all those other things. You know it's there, but are you going? You see what I'm saying? That's, that's what we are talking about by keeping his way, doing what the Lord wants you to do in this process of waiting. That's what's going to keep you busy. And here's the great thing about it. As you do what he says, while you're waiting, while it's hard, you don't even know this, but you're changing, you're growing, you're maturing, you're getting better. And so as we do this, the weight of the weight gets hard, guys. I understand that 100%. And waiting, I believe, will never get easy. There'll never be a time in life where waiting for something is going to be easy. I don't think it'll ever come. But even though it will, it will never come that way, while we're in the process of waiting, don't let that weight encompass you and overtake you because you're waiting for something. As you're waiting, keep working, keep growing, keep developing. And we're going to get into this process a little bit more. But this is, this is why it's, it's so important to do this because if we don't, we're going to get caught up in this waiting process and then we're going to get in our own heads and the next thing you know we're doing what we want to do and we got to be extremely careful about that so why is it so hard to have the patience to be great because the weight of the weight gets hard the weight of the weight gets hard and so we saw that from job and we saw that from genesis 12 and 16 but as we keep as the bible keeps building this idea 
we understand waiting. Waiting, again, like we said before, I think all of us are capable of doing it, but it becomes hard when we feel like we're doing it for no reason. That's where it becomes hard. So when you're in that state in life, how are you going to respond? Wait on the Lord and you continue to keep his way. We're about to get into that in a second. But as we're building this process together, so why is it so hard to have the patience to be great? Because the weight of the weight is hard. Then number two, as we talk about this, and before we go on, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to anchor.fm slash when the scriptures become real, and we would appreciate uh, all your support there. And we're so thankful for everything that you guys do uh, for the podcast. All right, so moving on. The weight of the weight, that's why it's hard. But then two, here's why else it's hard to have the patience to be great. Because we are result-driven rather than process-driven. Look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and we'll look at verses uh, 2 through 7 real quick. All right, so as we're talking about this, we are result-driven rather than process-driven. So many times what we can find ourselves doing, we can get into this process where we work so hard, we work so hard to get something, and then when we get it, it feels weird. Does that make sense? So, so think about something. I mean, you've 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 had this goal and you've you've spent money towards it, you've spent time towards it, you've you've sacrificed for it, you've you've done all this and you've worked so hard for that goal and you finally got it. And when you got it, it felt weird. It's like, man, I got what I was working for, but it's not it, it's not feeling the way I thought it would. Like I thought I'd feel more satisfied. I thought I'd feel more I thought I'd feel more validated. It's just it's here, but it's just not giving me the feeling that I want it to. So I heard a story of a, of, of a quarterback, Brett Favre, played for the Green Bay Packers um, uh, back in the day. And he's been working all of his life since he was like five, you know, to go up to the Super Bowl and win. And he gets to the NFL, and he gets to the Super Bowl his first time, and he wins. And when he's up at the podium, you can go on YouTube and you can look at it. Look at his face, and he even he even commentates on it. He was looking at it. And he's like, "When I got it, when I got the Lombardi Trophy, I felt like he said that this is it. I thought this was. I've been working my whole life for this. I just thought it feel different. And so sometimes when we're so result driven, when we work hard to actually get what we've been working for, it doesn't hit right. You know what I mean? It just it's just different. It just doesn't hit the way it's supposed to. And so here's the importance of the process. You know, if anybody knows us and knows me, they know we're big Alabama fans. And Coach Saban always talks about the process. Love the process. The rewards and all that stuff, that will come in time. But love the process of where you're in. So check this out. James 1, beginning in verse number 2. Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Time out, time out, time out. So when I have all this weight as I'm waiting, that's hard. And as I'm going through temptations and trials and tribulations, that's hard. What am I supposed to have during the process? 
Notice he didn't say count it all joy when you get the reward. Now, you will be joyful when you get that. But notice he said count it all joy when you're in these temptations, when you're going through the process. So the beauty of having patience and working towards something is enjoying every moment of the process of it. So for us as Christians, yes, we will rejoice when when we get heaven. We will rejoice with that. But think about it. Think about all the things you've overcome in the process, all the temptations that you've fallen to, but you've also overcome. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. How do we know? How do we know that he's talking about the process? Verse three, knowing this, knowing that we should have this mindset during the process, that the trying of your faith worketh, it's a continual motion. It's not just a three month, one month, six month, one year thing. It worketh patience. And what are we talking about? Having the patience to be great. So if you want your patience to be great, we need to enjoy the process of everything. So all your L's, all your hurts, all your joys, all your pains, all your rejections, all your, because that's a part of it. Now, I'm not saying when that happens, yeah, I'm happy to get this rejection. I'm happy to get an L. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that's just a part of what's happening. So understand that this is working to get you to where you need to be, where the Lord needs you to be. So knowing this, that the trying of your faith, it works patience. But notice what we're talking about. So does it mean it's always going to be easy and that that weight's always going to be taken off? Absolutely not. Because he says, let patience have her perfect work. So how can we let patience have her perfect work? Every single, and here's, and this is tough. This is, this is tough. But every single emotion and every single thing that you've ever been through, you have to completely feel it. So if you're disappointed, completely feel that disappointment. Don't try to replace it. Don't try to change it. Don't try to completely feel the, feel everything about that disappointment. I wanted this. This didn't happen. This, I worked. It just didn't work. Feel the disappointment. But also, when you have successes, celebrate the success. Let patience have her perfect work. How can it be perfect? You have to feel both of them. See, so many times we sway to one side. Well, I just want to celebrate when things are going well. But when things are going terrible and things are going great right now, I'm just going to try to ignore it or try to replace it or try to get something quote unquote better because it's greener on the other side. Those are people that will never let patients have her perfect work because they're always looking for a feeling and they're always looking for something in someone else. But you got to understand that the trying of your faith, it worketh patience, but you have to let it work. And in order to let it work, you have to go through everything the Lord wants you to go through. So how do you think Job's faith and Abram's faith and David's faith, how do you think it got strong? Because when David, when Saul was chasing after David, he went through the process. When when Satan took everything away from Job, he went through the process. When Abram, even when he failed, him and Sarai, he still went through the process. The waiting is never going to be easy. But are you going to 
continue to go through the process the right way. Then it keeps going. Let patients have a perfect work so that you, in turn, so that you might be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, but so this is going to be easy, right? This is this is this is always going to work out. I'm always going to have things right, right? Verse five. So when you're confused about your about your life, about what's going on, and I want you to think about this for a second. Think about this imagery. Think about this imagery. The imagery is this. Think about a situation in your life that you think is completely impossible, that you think it can never happen. It'll it'll never work. It'll never happen. And keep that mind, keep that in mind right now. So when that happens and when you're going through that process, what are you supposed to do? If any of you lack wisdom as you're going through that process, let him ask of God. So what does the Lord want us to do as we're going through the process with him? Ask him how to get through it. So when you're disappointed, Lord, what am I supposed to do now? What am I supposed to, how am I supposed to ask him? Ask him how. If you lack the wisdom of how to get through something or do something, let the Lord work. But here's here's what here's what kills us in this process too. Sometimes we'll do everything right, but then we'll ask the Lord and then just wait for a sign. So when we're disappointed, Lord, I was disappointed. Lord, this happened. Even when we succeed, Lord, all this happened. What am I supposed to do? And then we'll just sit and do the same thing. You can't do that because the Lord's not going to send you a sign. <clears throat> and sometimes I think we spend too much time waiting for like something to happen tomorrow or tomorrow's going to be the day. You know, something might happen. You know, something might. We we can't just sit and wait for a sign. If you want help on something, ask the Lord to help me through it to help me with it. But here's the thing. So how how do you how are you going to know your answer then? So if the Lord's not sending if the Lord's not going to send you a sign, how are you going to get the answer? So how does the Lord talk to us today? Through the word of God. So if you have questions about if this is the job that you need to be at right now, why talk to 15 people to ask them what they think? rather than go to the Bible. Well, the Bible doesn't have a specific verse on, do I need to keep this job or not? Yeah, it does. Matthew 6, 33. So if you say that you want to walk through the process with God, if you say you want to change your life, if you say you want things to get better, you need to reevaluate your job through God's eyes. That's where we, that's where we mess up. We look at everything through my eyes, through your eyes, rather than God's. So if you want your job situation to change, why am I sitting here asking everybody else's opinion instead of asking God's opinion? So how do you know what God's opinion is on your job? Is this job going to continuously hinder me from worship? Is this job going to make me work forever so that I can't do what I need to do for him? Is this job going to take me away too much from my family that I can't even spend time with my own family and help them and grow with them and pray with them? If that's the case, what's the answer that God is giving you? Yeah, they might pay bank, but is this the right job for you as a Christian? Yes or no? Now, when you get the answer, God will give you the wisdom. But when you get the answer, 
it's up to you to say, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, you're right, God, or I can make it work. Now, most of us, most times, I can make it work. And then we find out quickly we cannot make it work. So again, if you lack the wisdom while you're going through this stuff, while you're going through the process, let him ask of God. He gives to all men liberally, and he upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. But how do we do it? Verse 6, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. So now this is where it gets crazy. So now let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. So you ever, you ever, um, you ever think about that impossible situation I just mentioned for you. You ever um, ask God to help you with some stuff, but then in the back of your mind, you're like, I, I don't think it's going to happen though. Like it's just, it's just too impossible. I don't think it's just not, it's just not going to work. Like there's too much. It's not going to work out. You ever think like that before? If that's the case, you could do everything right in the process, but when you keep asking God for stuff, it's not going to work out for you. So why do you think we got, so here's the question. Are you unstable? Think about that for a second. Are you unstable? Meaning this, well, yeah, I come to worship. Yeah, I read. Yeah, I ask God all the time. I pray to him every day. I go to extra stuff all the time. But it seems like God's not helping me out. Do you believe that he will? Because here's the thing about it. On one side of the coin, we could be doing everything quote-unquote right. But on the flip side of it, if we don't believe that the Lord can help us, why would he do it? Why would he do it? Let that man, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. But then notice the example. He that waves or he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea and he's tossed back and forth. So think about this for a second. Think about think about a, a, a typical week in your life. OK. Think about a typical week, seven days in a week and two days out of the week, there's worship. So you got Sunday and Wednesday and let's put one more day in. So let's say. There's like events Friday and other things Friday and things going on Friday nights, right? So you really have three days out of the week. That's pretty solid, right? So then that leaves four days where you're at work, you're at school, you're at other places. So my question to you is, throughout all of your weeks, are you unstable throughout your week? Are you a wave? And what I mean by that is, on some days, you're like super strong, but on other days, you just have no, you have nothing. And that's how your weeks go every year. It's a, So think about how many people we have in that, well, Jordan, you don't understand. You're a preacher. All you do, you're around the Bible all the time. You're around Christian people all the time. No, you're talking to the wrong guy. I know what it's like to work a secular job and preach for free and, and work multiple secular jobs. So, uh, yeah, I know what it's like, too. So if that's us and then we say, well, I'm praying, I'm coming to worship, I'm doing all this, but the Lord's still not helping. So I'm going to do my own thing. This is where we mess up. Because we're not asking in faith because we don't think that the Lord can really help us. And so then 
if we don't think the Lord is really going to help us, and then throughout our weeks, we're always just waving, waving. And I'm not saying every day is going to be an amazing day, but I'm talking about your faith. You know, your faith can still be strong when things aren't good, and your faith can be strong when things are good. I'm saying that example of the week is your faith only strong when you're in the building or around Christian people. But then when you're everywhere else, you're a totally, you're, you're not the same person. So if that's the case, you can still be asking God to help you. But if you don't believe in, if you're not asking in faith, you're going to waver. You're just going to keep wavering and you're just going to be like an up and down. That's not a way to live. That is not a way to live guys. And so here's the thing about the process. So now look, look at verse seven. <clears throat> this is why he says this. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So this is why it's important to do the right things in the process, but have the right motivation behind it too. So notice the process that was given here in James chapter one, verse two through seven. But was any of this about the reward of heaven? All of this was having joy while we're going through it. So now we can understand as we're going through this, that you're getting better and I'm getting better and we don't have to do it alone because the Lord can help me. And if I, if I ask for his wisdom, so this is why it's, it's, it's extremely important guys doing the right stuff is great, but if you don't do the right stuff for the right reasons, you're always going to hurt yourself and you're always going to hurt somebody else every time without fail, without fail. So the process has to be real for you. The weight of the weight, I understand it's hard. The results, we can't be result driven. We have to be process driven. Understand that the trying of your faith, it worketh patience. Even Peter said that your faith is more precious than gold. But it has to go through the fire. It has to. So now look at this. Look at James 5. James 5, and look at verse 10. Take my brethren the prophets, who spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. Behold, we count them happy, which endure. You've heard of the patience of Job, who went through the process, and you've seen the end of the Lord. You've seen how he helped him. So what do we know about the Lord through our process? He's very pitiful, and he's of tender mercy. So this is why the process is beautiful, because as you go through it, the Lord is helping you through the process. But guys, we have to go through it. We got to go through the process. We can't be afraid of it. So I understand the weight of waiting is tough for anything. I understand, you know, uh, the process isn't always easy, but it's the right thing to do. We got to go through the process. And we got to go through it with the right attitude and we got to go through it the right way. And so then as we're developing this idea, having the patience to be great, the weight of the weight, we are result driven rather than process driven. But then number three, this is a big one. Everyone else didn't have to wait. So why do I have to wait? 
that's the killer. This is the final nail right here. So if if you already struggle with this weight being tough, if you already struggle with, with just working for rewards and getting stuff, and then at the end of it, then you're looking around at everybody else. Well, they didn't have to wait, so why do I have to? This is the killer mindset. And what this mindset really is, this mindset is really, it's called older brother syndrome. This is really what this is. So go to Luke 15. Luke 15 and uh, let's look at verse, let's start in verse 28. So remember, the younger brother came back. And so this is the confusing part. This tells us, this the older brother here is exactly what James 1 said. He was a man that was wavering. And this might be you. This might be the unstable person. So when his brother came home, verse 28, he was angry and he would not come in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered his father and he said, how many years do I serve you? Neither transgressed I any time at your commands. Yet you never gave me a kid that I make, make, make that I make that I might make merry with my friends. So here's the question. So was the older brother focused on the process or was he focused on just getting the results? So now the question becomes, why did he have to bring up how many years I served you? Why did he have to bring up I never I never sinned against you? Because guess what he was doing? The whole time while his brother was gone, he was comparing of why he was better than him. So now he comes home and now he tries to explain to his father, I should be getting what he has. So now do you see why this destroys your process too? Because when someone else gets what you want, then you're going to start comparing your life to what you've done in your process to their life in their process. And then you're going to say, God, that's not right. That's not fair. That's dangerous. That's the older brother mindset. So now, also with the older brother, was he process-driven or was he result-driven? Because why did he have to mention, you never gave me a kid? So now the question becomes, why are you working so hard? Why are you, why are you, why are you living the way that you're living? Is it possible that the only reason that the older, who says the older brother didn't want to go? Is it possible that the, the older brother stayed just so that he can get rewards? Not out of true love for the, for the father himself. That's crazy. So now I heard this about this, and this is why comparison, you can't, you can't do that in this process. You can't. Now, I heard a, a podcast, um, <clears throat> uh, Michael Jordan's trainer, he mentioned this about winning and doing the right things, right? He said, winning isn't loyal to anybody. He says, what you can do, you can eat right, you can sleep right, you can play right, and someone else who gave half, not even half the discipline that you gave, they're going to get what you got, what you want. They're going to win. So now when that happens, what are you going to do? You going to quit or are you going to keep going? See, that's what the younger brother did. 
I've been working hard. I've never sinned. I've done everything right. I've always been here for you. I never left. But he comes back and he gets everything. You see how vindictive and bitter you can get towards everybody else? The process, here's, here's what's dangerous about the process, guys. The process that the Lord is putting us all through, what we can't do, we cannot focus on who seems to be, notice what I said, who seems, we can't focus on who seems to be quote unquote winning and who seems to be quote unquote losing in life. We can't do that because then that's going to lead you down a very dark, dark hole and you're going to start questioning, well, should I be working this hard? Should I be this disciplined? Should I be working? But someone that's did half as me has gotten everything that I want. So why am I trying to be, why am I doing this? It's dangerous. Look at this. Look at Genesis 37, <coughs> verse 18, and then we'll jump down to uh, 28. So here's an example. So you got Joseph and his brothers, right? Joseph has all these dreams. His brothers call him, here comes this dreamer. So basically, it's 1 verse 11. So now you got verse 18. And when they saw him afar off and, and he came near, they conspired to slay him. And then verse 28, they're passed by the Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and they lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they bought Joseph in Egypt or they sold. They brought Joseph to Egypt. So in this situation right now, who seems to be on the quote-unquote winning side and who seems to be quote-unquote getting everything they want in life right now? His brothers. They hated him, right? Then they sold him, so they got rid of him. That's another win. Then not only can they get rid of him, but now they could be their father's favorite. That's a win. So now on the outside looking in, they got everything they want right now. They got everything they want. So they're winning in life. But are they? And you don't know what people have done to get what they got. You know, there might be some crooks. <laughs> they might be quacks, right? You don't know what they did to get what they got. But then you think about Genesis 50. And now you think about Joseph sitting on his throne. And now the 11 need him. So now when that happens, what did Joseph do? He could have killed his brothers, but all this time when Joseph was thrown in the pit and the, his brothers got what they want, quote unquote, and his brothers won and they're winning, quote unquote, who went through the process and who went through everything for the past 17 years? Joseph. He went through the process the right way, James chapter one, verses two through seven. And as he went through the process of getting sold, being a slave, being accused, being in jail, being forgotten about and thrown away, all this stuff, he just went through it. He took, he took the L's and just went through it. And he went through it and he went through it. So now they need him. And now here's the thing about the process. The beautiful thing about going through the process the right way is little do you know those mundane days, those tough days, those hard days where it just gets tough to get through the day. When you stack those days and you stack those years and you stack those hours, when you go through those days the right way, 
you're changing, you're maturing, you're growing, you're developing, you're letting the Lord mold you. So now Joseph, he changed. So here's the thing about the beautiful thing about the process, guys. And here's something that we can learn from Joseph. You're going to see in life that people are capable of doing some some bogus things. People are capable of doing a lot of things that you would have never thought they're capable of doing. And when that happens, and when you go through that process and people do that to you, you have two choices. You can either let their actions and what they did to you, you can let that change you, or you can go through the process and you can let God change you to be more like him. Which one do you want to do? This is why the process is so special because those that fully go through it and those that fully do the right things the right way and fully feel the disappointments and try not to replace and those that fully feel their success and fully go through it all, those are the people that God is changing to be more like him. But those that are winning, they won't let God change them. They're trying to make their own way. So do you understand why the process is so important, guys? The process, the reason why it's here is for you to go through everything fully so that when you meet God, it's like looking in a mirror. When people did me wrong, I prayed for them. When I, when I got hurt, I prayed for them. When you got hurt, you prayed for them. When all this happened, you, you would have done exactly what God would have done. He's putting you through it right now. He's putting you through it right now to make you more like him. Now, the question is, are you going to see things through his eyes or yours? That's the question. Going through the process fully allows you to see things from his eyes rather than what you think. So now what do you do? You see why it takes patience to be great? And so as we close and as we as we close this this thought process, guys, waiting is just a part of the process. Like we talked about, it's just it's not going to change. It's a part of the process. <clears throat> but sometimes as you wait and as you go through these temptations and trials and tribulations, you're going to fail. And it's going to hurt when you fail. You're going to take L's. And those that don't know, L's are losses. <laughs> you're going to take L's. You're going to take losses. And guess what? That's going to hurt too. But understand and feel the hurt, feel the pain, do the right thing, and keep getting better. As you go through those hurts and pains and L's and losses, what's going to drive you to have that fire and that purpose and that drive to be more like God? The process. If you want to be like him fully, people claim to be Christians. But if you really, 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 really want to be like him, the Lord will put you through situations where you you are you are given a choice to retaliate or you're given the choice to be like him. 
What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Enjoy the process. The process is what's going to help you to become like, don't we pray that all the time? Help me to be more like you. Help me to be more like Christ. Help me to be more Christ-like. Don't you think these situations that the Lord has been putting you through the past couple months and years is developing you to be more like him? But you got to see it that way. Instead of seeing just through your eyes, see it through his. And we can if we go through the process. And I want to do better, too. I want to go through the process better. And I hope that you want to go through the process, too, because each day I want to do better and, and be a better person. I'm not the same person that I was three months ago, four months ago. I want to be different, don't you? Have the patience to be great. Man, I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. That really helped me as as I studied and looked at this. And I hope that it was able to help you out again. Uh, I think we're going to have a guest on Friday. I'm hoping. But if not, we'll be back on Monday, Lord willing. But, um, you know, if you guys need help through the process, you know, put a chat on the Facebook page, on the new Facebook page. Or if you have my number, let me know. And, and we can work through this together so you don't have to do this alone. So we appreciate you guys. Um, thank you guys so much for your support. And Lord willing, we'll either see you guys on Friday or Monday. Thanks, guys.